This evening, we pretend to be anybody who is anybody with Fat Sam. We sing an ode to that great servant of cinema, the cowboy. We follow two rogue soldiers attempting to become Afghani royalty. And we have a blast on the French Riviera, chasing old women's money. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hello and welcome. Welcome to another Friday evening at the movies. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like We Used To. Welcome to Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. Now, what is this show? Well, I am Naeem. my name is Tosin. I will be your host through the next hour and a half as we go back through the history vaults of Hollywood. We go to we're going to talk about movies made pre-1980 in Hollywood and talk about how great and wonderful they were. With me, going back through time, are Sean. Hello there. And Sharon. Hello. And yeah, we have a couple of great films for you today. Uh, but Sean, Sharon, how are you guys doing? I'm well. Uh, and me too, actually. I'm, I'm pretty good. Enjoying the sunshine, though struggling a little bit in the heat at times. <laughs> when <laughs> working, when all those years I worked in an office, I used to think, oh, why don't it be nice working outside? <laughs> and then I'm sweating away outside. Sometimes I think, a bit of shade wouldn't hurt. <laughs> but <laughs> that's human beings, isn't it? You always, but no, I love working outside. So um, I've enjoyed the, yeah, the warm weather this week. Uh, cool. You guys haven't been too affected by um, festival goers, have you? No, we just rearranged our, because I'm a gardener, I, we rearranged our route so that we avoided Newport <laughs> on the arrival yeah. day. And so we had a couple of clients who were in that fairly Barton area, so we basically rescheduled them so that we weren't affected. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I've been trying to avoid Coppins Bridge like anything. <laughs> I've been trying to th think any route I can <laughs> use. What but about the festival? You going to festival, Toes? No, no, I'm not going to the festival. No. Not going to the festival. I uh, I have other things to spend money on mm -hmm. <laughs> at this point in time. Um, I yeah. can only hear it from my house, so I don't tend to need to have to go. <laughs> but this the last night, I didn't hear a thing. So I don't know what tonight will be like with the proper band start. But I have. What do you mean proper bands? What's well, proper bands? The, well, normally the Thursday night it tends to be the the support acts, local yeah, stuff, okay. and. Yeah. They don't have the headliners, do they, on no. the Thursday night? But I didn't hear a peep last night at all. Yeah, wow. But normally I get, it's like I'm sitting in the front row. It's like a blasting mm. in my bedroom, especially. I think sometimes it depends on which way the wind's blowing. Which way going. the wind's blowing, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, Sean, you're, because you're in Newport, you can't really avoid it that much, can you? No, yeah. not really. No, it's, um, it's, uh, can't really avoid it that much. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't mind it, though. I quite enjoy yeah, seeing all the people bustling about. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite nice in the summer when you see them all in their colourful gear and stuff. So Yeah, strolling around Newport, yeah. thinking, oh, look at this, is that a native? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at it, you, know, you look quite conspicuous sometimes Yeah. when you are wandering around Newport. <laughs> I had that weird experience on Best of All Day when everyone came to the festival where I came over on the ferry that day, a friend and I had been on the mainland, and it was like spot the locals and we stood out as if we had like a sign <laughs> above our heads we really did and well, we could there was four of us on the entire ferry there were four what we, i would identify as like local people wow it was quite it was just so funny. i bet it was colorful wasn't it? it was yeah we were just it made us laugh so much because it was like we were looking around thinking can we spot them and it's like yeah we can spot other locals <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what, though, this this is yeah, I've actually started feeling like a like a local now because festival happens. I'm like, oh, for goodness sake, oh, that traffic, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but 
<laughs> You've arrived, Tyson. Yeah, I know, I know. I now feel like, you know, all oh, these kids are going to come over with their loud music and their beer and their drugs and their painted faces and their feathers in their hair. Oh, I wish they would just leave. Ah, <laughs> oh, you can't say that. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm still having Welcome this Welcome to the Isle of Wight, so wait, how about you, Sean? You, you going or is like is, is your daughter going or anything? Yeah, my daughter's going. So, I mean, she goes every year with the friends and that. Um, I, With me, it's the line-up, you know, and I often think that, that the best gigs I've been to have been really small venues because mm-hmm. yeah. I find the music on the big stage, the music sort of dissipates and you don't really, you know, get yeah, to me. a big I, crowd I, can be... I can understand why it's really, really good fun. And also, I think sometimes some of the bands, you know, should retire gracefully rather than be <laughs> I, I have been a cu- on a couple of occasions and I've looked at some bands and I've thought oh my god don't they look they're old you know yeah. <laughs> but they're still good and people love them so but uh, yeah no I the only ones I would maybe a couple of bands on the Saturday I wouldn't mind seeing Adamant yes I used to love Adamant when I was a teenager but uh, yeah so so but otherwise I wouldn't spend you know I'm like you I wouldn't spend loads of money to go really no. Yeah, cool. Good. Yeah, I'm still waiting for someone to give me a free ticket. Yeah, for some, <laughs> for some reason to go to go along. All right. Um, back to movies. Back to movies. So what we do at the show is that we first of all pick up a bona fide classic, a film that is widely regarded as a classic of cinema, like um, just inarguably. Then we'll have a patient choice. Today we're going to be speaking to um to Duncan. Doug. Doug, sorry, that's it. Doug, Doug, Doug Watson in Alveston. Sorry about that, Doug. <laughs> Speaking to Doug Watson in Alveston, our pet ward. And we will follow that up with a hidden gem, a movie which needs to receive more love. And we decided that today we are going to show it that love. And we shall finally end up today with an exception to the rule, a movie made after 1980 that we still think, oh, this stands up at any time, at any time whatsoever. And uh, Sharon, you have chosen our Bonafide Classic today. Would you like to tell us what this is? Yes, our Bonafide Classic this week is Bugsy Malone from 1976. <laughs> that Bugsy Malone from Bugsy 1976. Malone. So, the, the, so this is a musical. Pretty, uh, it's a, it's, yeah, a, it's, ma- it's a mishmash of three different types of genres. Basically, you've got like a, it's a children's film because all the actors in it are children, but it's set in the 1920s during the time of prohibition. So it's a classic gangster film, yep. and it's a musical. <laughs> so it's a crossbred bit of a mishmash, but it works. Yeah, you know, this is this is a. I think it's a terribly, terribly loved film. And yeah. it's especially because I, re- I remember I, f- I heard about this film way before I ever saw it. Because we kept saying, oh, Bugsy Malone, this, oh, and Splurge Guns, Splurge and guns, all that yeah. kind of... I was like, what the what on earth are you on about? And a lot of the songs in the film are just... I think everybody has their favourite. When you yeah. say Bugsy Malone to them, everybody has a song that they, they just start immediately start singing. It's so, I bet you can't guess mine. <laughs> oh. oh no! Well, come on, you you did this last night when I when I mentioned it to you. You started singing it. Go on then. What is anybody it? Anybody who is anybody will soon walk through that door. Grand slam, speakeasy. Yeah, that's my one. What's yeah. yours, Sharon? My one. My, my name, name is Tallulah. <laughs> I, I know that's this. It. I know this because I mentioned we're going to do Bugsy Malone to the two of you, and immediately you started <laughs> you singing. My name Fat is Tallulah, and I said oh, I yeah. started singing Fat Slams, Grand Slams, Speakeasy. <laughs> what Everyone about you, Toast? With me? Oh, I don't know because I recently filmed a stage performance of this, so I have like a whole bunch of the different songs in it. But I think 
the song I'm about to play is probably the song that sticks in my head the most when it comes to this. So I'm going to play this song. Uh, well, and then you will guess straight away what song it is that comes to my head when I hear Bugsy Malone. Right? See you guys in a second. <laughs> we could have been anything that we wanted to be. But don't it make your heart black? Hey! What do you guys think you're doing? Get in here, you bunch of peanut brains! Get in here, you dummies! Come on, we got business to do! Yes, and that is the song that comes to my mind when I hear Bugsy Malone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think the last time I actually saw this film, it was one of these, I'm not sure what they've heard of, secret cinemas. Yeah. Yeah, essentially, when you have a, you, it's usually when... You get the ticket and you go to this venue and they tell you how to dress up and everything like that. And when you go in there, they have a big screen and essentially they do things like they, I think they showed um, Alien. Uh, no, they've done things like shown Ghostbusters in like an abandoned school and all that kind of stuff. So they, they will show you a film in an area or in a venue that yeah. is reminiscent of the film itself. And we went to this place called the Ritzy in uh, in East London, which is made up like a 1920s Art Deco place. And they'd done the whole place up to look like Fat Sam's Grand Sam's Speak Easy. <laughs> so they had like dancing girls on the stage and they they had them look like the ones in the film as well. So they had like, I think with it was like four white girls shorts, and yeah. Yeah, four white girls and one black girl with the Afro thing. They had like a boxing ring somewhere there. You came in there. Yeah, everybody so you was, want to be a boxer. Exactly. So, <laughs> so you want to be a boxer. <laughs> so yeah, they had right, all... Really, the they, whole, Themes yeah. are really good, and the names as well. Isn't there someone called Knuckles? I remember. Yeah, there's Knuckles. 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 <laughs> Knuckles called Knuckles because he's always cracking his knuckles. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like it's like stop cracking your knuckles. But that's how I got my name, boss. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but okay. So Sharon, you want to tell us a little bit? Well, tell us a little bit about the film and why you chose it. Yeah, well, uh, the, the the story basically it's set in the 1920s during Prohibition, though. This is obviously a cat acted by children. It's the, the rise of the gangster, Bugsy Malone, and how he comes across these rival gang men, um, Fat Sam and Dandy Dan. And oh, in, yeah. <laughs> Dandy Dan. <laughs> and in their sort of battles, they have... Um, they've obviously moderated the, the, the themes of the sort of gangster era to fit the fact that it's been all acted by children. Yeah. And so, as you said, the machine, the Tommy guns... Um, are they Tommy guns? The ones with the they, round... They like, yeah, they're supposed they're to be like Tommy, Tommy guns. guns yeah. um, how, like splurge guns. So they, they throw out like custard pie mixture, don't they? This, That's it. Yeah. This goo. Yeah. And then all the cars are like these proper vintage cars and then they have to pedal them. <laughs> so you see <laughs> yeah, them like pedaling like mad <laughs> in these classic cars. <laughs> so the story is... There probably isn't lots to the story, but as he goes through his journey, Bugsy, played by uh, Scott, Scott Bale. Bale. yeah. And I remember him from Happy, Happy Days. Days. He was chotchy <laughs> in Happy Days. But he was obviously quite young when he did this in 1976. But it was during that era when he was very popular as the young Chochi. And then obviously there's Jodie Foster is Tallulah. Yeah. And other people we know later are Dexter Fletcher. Yeah. He was babyface, but he went on obviously to act and to direct as well. So uh, quite a few famous people sort of found their this, way the, in well you picking this film does continue your Dexter, Le My Dexter, Dexter Fletcher, Fletcher love thing yeah yeah I hadn't thought of that but it, it would <laughs> if it's yeah. there can't be many more things he's actually been in that, that I like <laughs> and it was directed by Alan Parker who's got this amazing sort of bibliography hasn't he or bibli what, what's filmography yeah. of all the different things he's been involved in 
over the years. Well, and he, he, thing is also, Alan Parker seems to be, he. whenever you mention Alan Parker, people always talk a lot about them, his use of music in his movies. Yeah. Because he also did The Commitments. Yeah. He did, yeah, yeah. He did The Commitments, didn't yeah. he? He did a commitment. He directed the movie version of Evita. So music always seems to be like a big thing for him. And yeah, but uh, so he came up with it. But do you have any idea why he decided to make everybody in the film a kid? No, I didn't. I looked into sort of the cast, but no, I don't know why they decided to do that. It's just one of those weird things where you're like, why did they do it? It works. And it's and, and I think the film, because as you said, it is the storyline is a sort of standard 1920s gangster you could easily do a Bugsy Malone and cast it with adults yeah and just make it like you know make it bloody and everything like that but I'm not sure it would stand out as much and they all play as adults they don't ever play as children they yeah, all, yeah. and they've got like painted on moustaches haven't they and they've got the mannerisms as if they are grown up but they're all children yeah so, especially Jodie Foster who for my money acts everybody off the screen in this film yes yeah. when you see her as Tallulah she's yeah a masterclass but then I think she's she's great and lot of movies yeah. as well i think she's this was during her sort of taxi driver sort of era wasn't yeah, yeah. it when she was mm-hmm. the biggest sort of young actress in the and i like her planet. as a director as well yeah <laughs> i'm sure we'll be talking about that later <laughs> yeah yeah she sort of seems to be able to turn her hand at most things but i think yeah for me this film i think i saw it roughly just after it came out so i was a child when i saw it so you immediately <laughs> think yeah we could do that (laughs) (laughs) we could be those people and so that grabs you then and then obviously the audio you get when you watch it again you think actually this is still such fun when you sit and watch them the music is just draws you in and the just the fun of it draws you and the ridiculousness of it draws you in Mm -hmm. so i think all of those things combined makes me think yeah this is a proper classic i think you watch even if you sat down children today i think once they got past the the, obviously, the you know, sort of the, the the staginess of it, they I think they would just love it yeah. still, the way we did. I, I do think I do think it's a very 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 good film. Oh, I just thought of something. Okay, so when you say uh, Bugsy Malone, I think Bad Guys, but I think my best my favorite song in the film has to be the the one that the sweeper guy in Fat Sam Speak Easy speak because he keeps wanting to get on stage and he keeps asking Fat Sam, "Hey, when I get my audition?" And uh, Fat Sam is always like, "Tomorrow, tomorrow." Yeah. And then he has this song where he goes, "Tomorrow, tomorrow never comes," and it's like a quiet moment where it's just him and one of the dancers who do this, and I I just love that song. Yeah. And it's and it's it's one of the weird things about the film is that when they wrote all the songs, they recorded all these demos, for um and the obviously the demos were sung by the adults yes. who wrote the songs and all that. But when it came to and they always planned to re-record the songs with the kids, but they ran out of time. So when the film was released, they just put the they just had like all the adults singing the song. So whenever the, a song comes on, it's like an adult voice but a kid miming along to yeah. it and so I think Alan Parker himself is kind of like yeah I'm not happy about that but it's just one of the it's one of the weird things about the film that just sort of make you remember like yeah it's one of the quirks that really like because I was listening to some of them this afternoon and I was listening to So You Want to Be a Boxer and there's some of it in there you think yeah the voices are just complete opposites to what you see these little, little tiny boys <laughs> yeah. with these sort of big booming voices that come out and so I, yeah that's just some of the fun of it I think it's like even though it's a good fun movie. Yeah. Him yeah that's it <laughs> did that Scott Bayo go on to do much else he I was in that. Um, that what's that MD one? Oh, 
Oh, Diagnosis Murder. murder oh, yeah. Was, he was I've in not that. Seen that. Oh, if you ever had, well, well I work shift, so I got to watch daytime television. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, a staple of daytime television for decades. It really was in the afternoons. You turned over on the television, it was Diagnosis oh, right. Murder was on at some point. Either that or Murder She Wrote. Yes, one of those. <laughs> now it's it's bar, it's one of these sort of antique bargain hunt type things. But in the you know, so ten years ago, it was Diagnosis Murder every afternoon. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so he was in that as an adult, and then, but I did, he did, he did Chochi Loves Joni. Yeah, which it was, yeah. it was a spin off of, um, from Happy Days. From Happy it, Days. What was the other spin off from Happy Days? Do you remember? Laverne and Shirley? Yeah, yeah, I remember that and one. I used to like quite enjoy that. Yeah, I used to like Laverne also and Shirley. Also, Mork and Mindy. Mork and Mindy, of course. Was that? Yeah, that was as well. That was yeah. a spin off from Happy Days, yeah. Yeah, because Mork appears in, he does appear in Happy in Days, Happy Days, doesn't Days he? Yes. one episode. Yeah, yeah. he does, yeah. yeah. So oh, goodness me, that's another show on its own, <laughs> isn't it? But, um, but yes, yeah, so I don't know many sort of... I mean, in America, I know he's appeared in many things, but I don't know what how many transferred across the Atlantic. Yeah, he never made it big, I don't know. No, not know massive, what, unless what, you were a Happy Days fan. I remember him sort of nostalgically from your youth. A bit of a crush on him or not? When I was younger, certainly. Yeah, yeah, because everyone loved Chochi. Yeah, I just realised that I sometimes confuse Corbeo with Tony Danza. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> in Taxi. Because, no, because Tony Dan- because when you said, like, Scott Bale, I was like, yeah, he was in lots of stuff in the 80s. He was in Who's the Boss? I was like, wait, no, wait, that's Tony Danza. <laughs> <laughs> but right, but okay. They've got similar looks, definitely. Yeah. They look have a similar about them. So, um, Sean, uh, Bugsy Malone. Yeah, Bugsy Malone. Great fun film. I haven't seen it for a while, I must be honest. But, mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I, I remember it as being very enjoyable. You know, perhaps I was like a bit, mm, I wasn't so sure, but deep down I, I really enjoyed it, you know, but I didn't want to really sort of. Sort of <laughs> was I was at the age when it was out that I was like, mm, no, that's not. If that's it, not it's hip. the wrong age, isn't it? You can be yeah. wrong age to watch this yeah, film for the first time. If exactly. you're like mid 20s, you're going to fall flat, I think. Yeah, you have yeah, to be either yeah. a child or much older. Yeah, I think so. To really en- embrace it, I yeah. think. Yeah, but I remember, as I say, it's been a long while, but I remember the songs. And so, I mean, that, that says a lot, doesn't it, really, yeah. if you can remember the songs. If we could have been anything I wanted to be, I'd actually, as soon as you started playing, I thought, oh, yeah, that's another good one. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it does have a lot of but good I, songs. I, I did like, for me, the, the characters I liked were the gangsters. I wasn't too keen on Scott Bayo's character, but, you know, I did like Knuckles and, and <laughs> what was his name? What was the guy? The Dandy guy? Dan. Dandy Dan, that, the other one. <laughs> What's what was the guy? Yeah, Fat Sam. Sam. Yeah, I but liked him. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because apparently the Fat Sam kid he wasn't actually an actor. It was just Alan Parker saw him somewhere, like he was talking to some of his friends and saw his personality and said, that's Fat Sab. <laughs> and, got, and got him in. <laughs> but because I think afterwards he didn't really do much else. No. He, he didn't do it. But obviously everybody knows about Jodie Foster. She was, because she was pretty much the child star. She was, she was yeah. like a seasoned professional. Yeah. She was at that time, yeah. It, I, no, just, it, actually, did I imagine it? Or did Bonnie Langford appear in this briefly? I don't know. I oh, she does. Does so she? Yeah, because there's there's the kid, the kid with massive ginger hair, massive ginger hair, who shows yeah. up and has like a really really short bit because she because uh, the they're auditioning replacements for her. That's they're, right, and, and that's it's a nightclub oh, scene. Yeah, 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 yeah Bonnie and she pops up and she pops up and she's, she's kind of like Sam. How do you think you're gonna try to replace me? All right, she's like the she's like the diva. She's like a total diva. Oh yeah, she does. Oh, good Lord. Alan Parker, what, what have you... What have you done to yeah, us? Yeah. yeah, what have you provided us with? She was a Doctor Who companion, would you believe it? <laughs> she was, I know. She was a few <laughs> things, and she was on thick and thick and I, till oh, I yeah. scream, and I can. 
Just know, William. Just William. Violet Elizabeth it, yeah. Bott. What was her name? Violet Elizabeth Bott. Violet Elizabeth Bott, yeah. I knew it was something. I just remember that. I'm thick. I'm screaming, screaming till I'm thick. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to do a Bonnie Langford special. Um, or, or maybe not. We'll, we'll see. She's a good dancer, though. Good singer and dancer, I think. We'll see. Okay, on that note, we move forward. We move forward. Thank you very much for that, Sharon. Thank you very much for, for that. And thank you, Alan Parker, Scott Bayo, Jodie Foster, and all of this. Oh, actually, that was, I was going to say something about Jodie Foster. Yes. Jodie Foster, I was listening to an interview with her. And you know, you mentioned Taxi Driver. And yep. You talk about her being a seasoned professional. She said, oh, yeah, because by the time we made Taxi Driver, she was obviously the youngest person on set. And people were always sort of like, you know, because it was... It was um, dodgy material. Or it was like sensitive material yeah. that they were trying to trying to figure out about her. But she was like, "Yeah, but by that time, I'd made more movies than Scorsese and De Niro had made." <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "What? That? Oh yeah." That sounds crazy, but yeah, she <laughs> she 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 was like, "Yeah, I made yeah. more movies, so I knew what I was doing on the movie set." They were yeah. kind of like, <laughs> and they're like, "Dag." She wasn't that protected. I don't. I gather from some of the things you read that. Yeah. She was fully exposed to things that she probably shouldn't have been at that age. <laughs> well, yeah, it's I, I, well, it's Hollywood. Yeah, as we said last week, Sharon, that's Hollywood. That's Hollywood. <laughs> and um, yeah, but she did that. But thank you, thank you, Jodie Foster and everybody else. Um, but now we move on to the section of the show where we talk about a patient choice. So every Friday evening, I go into our pet ward, Alveston, and speak to at least one patient who tells us a story about the first time they went to the cinema. And I am bunt- bumped into Doug. 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 Sorry about that, Doug. <laughs> Bones to Doug. And this is what Doug had to say about uh, probably what he, the earliest memory he has of going to the cinema. Wait, wait a second. If you could just uh, tell us about the first time you went to the cinema and who you went with, what the story was, what film you saw and all that. Well, I think the first time I went to the cinema was um, when I was quite young and we used to go on a Saturday afternoon and watch um, Cowboys and uh, uh, used to go maybe with one or two of my mates and I used to live in Bembridge and we used to go through to the Commodore Theatre in Ride and uh, that was my early, earliest memory of uh, going to the cinema was going to watch the uh, Cowboys and uh, that was, I can't remember the name of the film unfortunately because it was a long time ago. <laughs> All right, cool. So, um, was there any particular? I know you can't remember the name of the film. But was there any particular cowboy or storyline that you liked, or anything particularly that you liked about it? Well, um, there, there used to be um, the usual sort of uh, 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 bad guy and good guy, if you know what I mean. And um, uh, there used to be the usual sort of uh, uh, chase with horses and stuff like that, uh, a typical sort of Western type of thing. And uh, it was, uh, you know, when you're young, I suppose I was about 12 years old, 13 years old, and all those type of things were exciting in those days, you know what I mean? And that's that's the, well, what I can remember is, is, is just the general sort of uh, usual sort of Western type of thing, you know, chasing on horses and... Um, the stagecoach and stuff like that, you know. So it's uh, just a norm- normal, normal westerns. But we, you know, we it was a bit of escapism really because uh, to <coughs> suddenly, especially when it was in colour and everything, to suddenly see um, uh, all this stuff going on uh, in America. And uh, so it was, uh, you know, that's where we got, our, you know, got our excitement uh, when we used to go to the movies. <laughs> 
Also, uh, so since then, I mean, okay, so this was your first thing, westerns. Yeah. Have you? How, how do you approach westerns? Like, how how did it develop as you grew older? Did you continue watching westerns, or did you switch to other kinds of movies? Oh no, I mean to say that that was sort of uh, most of the young kids of my age were into westerns in those days. But of course, since then, um, I've you know sort of. Uh, branched out into other things. I must admit, now I don't go to the cinema quite as much as I used to. Um, I mean, I've seen uh, most of the Bond films in cinema, and things like uh, Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, also cl- some of the big classic movies, Titanic, for instance, you know, and things like that. So uh, those are the type of things I've watched in recent years. You know. But I'd, I'm not a, a regular cinema goer unless there's something really sort of a big, a big sort of m- major blockbuster, if you know what I mean. I know a lot of people are into the uh, Star Wars trilogies and stuff, but uh, I've personally never never been into Star Wars. Uh, it's, uh, it's not my cup of tea, you know. So that's. Thank you very very much. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug, so much for being part of the show. So. Now, Sean, when I was speaking to him and he was talking about, like, you know, Saturday morning westerns and everything like that and, like, you know, the love that all these kids had for them. And I was thinking, like, you know, I was thinking about you and oh, your and your crazy <laughs> nice. love for westerns because you just, you just, oh, you lap westerns oh, up. Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. And so when did that start for you? Like, was it something similar to what um, Doug was saying or in, like, a Saturday morning thing or, like, you know, everybody? Because it seems yeah. like westerns were, like, the big thing of the day. I, I think Doug nailed it when he said it was escapism. Because, you know, things were fairly sort of austere and there wasn't. And, and you'd see these westerns and there were shootouts and there was big, you know, landscapes. And you've got the, the good guy, bad guy chases. I used to like some of the cowboy and Indian films, they used to call them all. Now it's politically correct, I think it's Native Americans. But, yeah. you know, and it was all, whoa, did this really happen? Mm. You know, but it might not have been particularly historically accurate. But, yeah, it just, I think it was escapism and adventurism. But what was interesting with, with that was... That he said um, Star Wars, and yet really, Star Wars is a Western a in Western. space. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a space George Western. George Lucas so. always said that, didn't he? Yeah, that yeah, it yeah. was a space space and, opera. And I think there's a lot of lot of movies that are westerns, you know, in in guises like. Oh so, yeah, yeah. You know, so, but yeah, so this, so it sort of really really captures ima- imagination. But the the thing I remember was, and I was quite young, and going back to my dad now as well, and he used to like to take me to the movies. And I remember that I specifically remember this, and I was quite young. He took me to see uh, the, the Return of the Seven and the Magnificent Seven, a double bill, because and they used to be continuous performances, so they didn't kick you out. So if you wanted to, you could just go in the cinema and you could stay there all afternoon, and you could watch the films again and again. Yeah. So because there was no 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 one used to come and take you out, and but I remember we saw them the wrong way round. So <laughs> and that's what I specifically remember. We saw the Return of the Seven first, and then the Magnificent Seven afterwards. But you know, you imagine, they, so that was like, oh, I love Westerns, I love the characters. And yeah, it's just, just great escapism. So I think that most people, you like Westerns too, Sharon. I Shannon. do like you Westerns, You do like yeah. Westerns too, yeah. See, yeah, Shannon similar influence. Because, I, well, my mum worked nights when I was a child. So from the age of five to the age of about 11, I spent all my evenings with my dad and my two brothers. And being the youngest and the only girl, I was not the one who chose what we watched. (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up watching westerns, war films, Starsky and Hutch, you know, all these 
the professionals, <laughs> all these programs from the seventies that and that have a major influence on what I sort of to me the things I think of as like, oh yeah, good film. Oh, I love us. Well, I love westerns absolutely, and yeah, because my dad used to love westerns as well. So yeah. that was something that we would all, happily all sit down together and watch a western. Yeah, they were popular for decades, weren't they? Really? Yeah. Because well, uh, I actually feel I feel like the Hollywood always goes through like phases and i think mm. it was a time when the musical was that was like you know the key form of entertainment yeah. that this is what's going to if you want to make loads of money it's going to be a musical then I, I feel like the western kind of replaced that at one point then it was almost like the action movie came and kicked that out during the 80s where it was i like had to make a big blown up action movie and nowadays it's like a superhero movie so yeah. i feel like superhero and what you were saying about like you know loads of films being westerns so, I mean, they, uh, a friend of mine was talking about how superhero movies nowadays, they, they get to the point where they just make loads of different genres, but within the superhero movie or within the comic book movie thing, like um, Guardians of the Galaxy, for yeah. instance. You're saying like, yeah, that's pretty much a Western. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty much a Western yeah, space. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Definitely. Even like with the way the people do, uh, like you had the TV show Firefly, which was, it was very obviously, and the, the guy who created it, just Sweden, he was made. He made no bones about the fact that this was aping a western. The main character dressed like a cowboy. Everybody shot from the hip. Like mm. even the way they saw, like drew drew their guns and everything like that was totally, totally. And every whenever they went to a planet, it was like you know when you ride into a different town, you ride into another town in the in the western, and there's the tumbleweed going, and <laughs> there's the there's the evil mayor who's like oppressing the townsfolk, <laughs> and they've got to like you know liberate them because they're the white hatted cowboys and the black hatted cowboys are gonna come in. It's it's I think the themes within the Western that are they're just going to live forever. And even though the the Western's making a little bit of a revisionist comeback in that, as you said, things not being historically accurate, so they're trying to yeah. make Westerns that might maybe might be a bit more historically accurate and might be a bit more true to life than maybe they could have shown in the heyday of the Western in the fifties or something like that. Um sometimes with better well, I think better results than others. If yeah, I they do pop up occasionally because I mean, last year we obviously saw Jane Got Gun and yeah. Sean and I we went to see the Sal- Salvation. Salvation, wasn't it, which, last, I, which, which I, I thought was good. Yeah, I really rated as well. And I went to see the Hateful Eight as well. Hateful Eight. Yeah, there was a little spate of them, wasn't there? These there was, winter westerns. Yeah. The Revenant, you could say, it was an early western because it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, that's stretching it a little bit. But we had yeah, a few of those winter westerns, and then I suppose. Kevin Costner, he has a love for the Western. So yeah, well, he loves it. He did like his Open Range and obviously Dance with Wolves. Open Range is one of my favourite Westerns. Great film. Great Dance film. with Wolves. Mm. Wyatt Earp. A lot of people don't rate Wyatt Earp. No, I think Wyatt good film. Earp's Tombstone, really good. Tombstone, that was similar to Age. Yeah. So every now and then they do sort of pop up where they're a modern director will say, oh, I think I want to make a Western and they do appear. But yeah, it's heyday, certainly was in those sort of 40s and 50s. Yeah. But what when, I was, when Doug was talking, I was just thinking about you know, there were those occasionally on BBC Two, you'd get the Hopalong Cassidy sort of serials would be played. Yeah. And I was thinking when we went to see Hail Caesar earlier in the year, oh, yeah. there's that oh, yeah. skit in it, isn't it, about the the Western actor <laughs> who does his own stunt riding. You know, he rides upside down and he's swinging off the black and he does the Cossack jumps all over the place. And then they suddenly thrust him into this sort of, you know, That's right, yeah. m- m- comedy of manners type of film. <laughs> It's one of the funniest things. What was his name again in the film? I can't remember. Is it Kobe something or Hobie something? It's Hobie. Hobie Hobie Doyle. Hobie Hobie Doyle. Because he was based on like (laughs) an Audie Murphy type character, wasn't he? he, Yeah, he was. Audie Murphy was that happy go lucky, oh, I'm just a 
No, he, he was based on cowboy. the singing cowboy. Who is it? Roy Rogers. Roy yeah. Rogers. Yeah, it was, it was based on... Oh, of course, he does yodeling, doesn't he, in yeah. the film? He, does he was based on the singing cowboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, they were popular at one time, singing cowboys, weren't they? You forget about Roy Rogers, because he's obviously so much of his time, but he was a huge star. He was a yeah. big star. Yeah. With, took, with Trigger, his trigger, horse. Yeah. They, he, he actually he actually went on and he branched out and he had like a franchise of his name on a whole bunch of things like cereals and toy boxes and I think it's, it's still going today. I've got a, a Roy Rogers Western novel at home with his picture <laughs> on the front with him, you know, <laughs> grinning with a big gold, you know, red bandana around his neck and the big huge hat, oh like buckskin shirt, just sort of you no know, grinning at you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever read it, but I just like, like to be. There used to be a, a guy with a guitar in all the John Wayne westerns, which the, like yes. they have a hoedown or something. And he always, like a big, and it he, was in the Alamo, wasn't he? He was in the Alamo, and yeah, the he searches. was. And the searches, yeah. And other th- yeah, he just hops up and starts singing a ballad. Sing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does, yeah. It's quite funny, you know, oh, wait, when's this coming? When is he going to sing? Oh, yeah, wait till we have a quiet moment and then you can get your guitar out, pal. That's it, yeah. Oh, okay. I think I remember the first western I think I ever saw was El Dorado. With um with James Caan and John Wayne. That's a good fun movie. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, Mississippi. Yeah. Because he, he has a shotgun. He has, doesn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah, he has a shotgun because he yeah. can't hit anything He's with a pistol. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I think that. Uh, but uh, I think also uh, the the western that has a very 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 soft spot in my heart is Blazing Saddles. Oh, <laughs> I love class. that. Do you know that, that's so strange? Because I was uh, when I was on the phone to my, my dad the other week and we were talking about the film show and he goes. Yeah, that was a surprise. A film I never thought I'd like was Blazing Saddles. He really, really <laughs> enjoyed it. He said yeah. it was great. We went to see we went to see a Foreign Legion film at the cinema called March or Die, and he goes, "I'm not really bothered about that Blazing Saddles. It doesn't look very good." And that I said, "Well, it's a double bill, so let's go." And <laughs> he went, and he like thought yeah. he said, "Oh, that was brilliant. That was <laughs> absolutely yeah. Swifty, <laughs> Swifty Morgan." <laughs> the show. I think because it's affectionate, isn't it? I think when they rip off a genre, and you think. If you're being a bit cruel or you're being a bit too much, because you can see all the the silly things yeah. about it, but if you have affection for it, it really shows, doesn't yeah. it? That's right. Yeah, yeah, I think. And it that really, makes really a does. huge difference. Nobody move, or the sheriff gets it. <laughs> Somebody help that poor man. That's a great film. Mel Brooks is he's just a yeah. just, mad, mad man. I just man. love like, How about some more beans, Mister Taggart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see you had enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, right. And Head, Headley that. Lamar. Yeah, yeah, Headley. No, oh, Headley Lamar. No, no, Headley. Headley. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. So, oh, in, in mm. order of the Western, and especially the cowboy, who I think for ages was just like the iconic hero in 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 in, in cinema history. We around uh, found this song, which I think is actually quite cool, and I think it's quite a nice ode to the cowboy, uh, right from the first words. And so, yeah, we'll play it as at the end of a little retrospective about cowboys and westerns and thank you so much doug for uh, giving us the opportunity to talk about this well you don't see much on the big screen anymore and kids don't ride along with Royer Jean And that ain't really him With all those feathers in his hat As long as there's a sunset He'll keep riding for the brand You just can't see him from the road 
Yes, nice. Th- yeah, it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> I only just found out about that today. It's called You Just Can't See Him From The Road by a guy called Chris Ledoux. Mm, never heard of him. Yeah, yeah. So no, it's, 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 it's got nice. It's got talky bits in it as well. I quite like the song with the talky bits in <laughs> it. <laughs> it, it is very, very Western. Very, very. I, I think a funny thing with country music, which is obviously, you know, country and Western linked to the Western. I always find that I think sometimes it can be extremely cheesy. And you think, oh, for goodness sake, what the... But then sometimes it's some it's some it's almost the best medium in which to tell a story. Yes. Yep. I, I really There's some re- good stuff, yeah. But you have to get past that, yeah. You have mm-hmm. to get past some of the that wince factor. Uh, some of the horrible, horrible cheese, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, now we go into a section of the show, which is which we call the hidden gem, and this is where uh, we pick a film or somebody picks a film that we think, oh, this film needs to have more recognition. We have a Facebook page, or just they don't make them like they used to, and people go on there and they suggest films that we should talk about. And this is one of the, this is a suggestion from Giles, who came in and uh, who said this. And we actually managed to record Giles talking about the film that he chose and why he chose it. So here's Giles talking about his choice. Oh, hello, I am here with Giles, and Giles, you chose the man who would be king. Would you like to tell us why you chose the man who would be king for um, they don't make them like they used to? Well, sometimes. There's a, there's a coming together of just two actors who are on their game with a solid story and a great director. And I think this, this film is a, a hidden treasure. It stars Sean Connery and Michael Caine as just two actors who just know what they're doing. Um, the story is essentially about um, uh, Sean Connery and Michael Caine play these two British soldiers in the last century, no, previous century, 1800s, um, who come across this tribe, for want of a better word, and are about to be killed when uh, the tribe notice that Sean Connery has a uh, mason's um, amulet, and they think he's a god because the the mason's symbolism is is part of their religion. Um, And of course, the power goes to Sean Connery's head as these uh, this tribe revere him. And of course, Michael Caine is the, the voice of reason and tries to pers- uh, initially goes along with Sean, but then tries to persuade him to come away with him. But it's just a brilliant story, brilliantly told, brilliantly acted, um, written by Rudyard Kipling. And I think it's just a film that's sorely missed. I, I can't remember the last time I saw it in, on telly. But I think they should repeat it, and I think you should see it, because it's just a great story. Thank you, Giles. <laughs> yes, so that was Giles talking about The Man Who Would Be King, a film that he thinks should get a lot more recognition. Now, Sean, we, um, you, <sighs> you are, we've let you be the champion for this movie. So you just want to, like, uh, jump on what Giles said, and, like, if there's, if there's something you want to add or anything like that. Sure, yeah, no, Giles great choice this is a terrific terrific movie um yeah the the thing with michael kane when he becomes king he but basically the two of them decide to quit the army they get some themselves some guns and they go and they they work their way across uh, afghanistan and and get to this place kuristan i think and all you know when they beat all the tribes they become like they get quite a big little band behind them and then they meet meet this other tribe and Sean Connery gets an arrow, but it doesn't pierce him because he's got a bandolier under his belt. And they're like, oh, so they think he might be a king and they're going to shoot him again because they think that uh, 
he would be but then when they rip his shirt open to stab him he's got like the masonic symbol so so they're like oh yeah he is the king you know he's <laughs> survived an hour and but he gets a little bit i mean they look at all this treasure alexandra the great's treasure and there's mountains of it mountains of it and um you know obviously sean connery decides he likes this being a major king you know he's being worshipped so yeah and and michael Caine tries to persuade him to says come on come on come on um but i i this is such a good movie and I was I was watching a Michael Caine interview and because John Huston great director yeah he said he John Huston phoned him up and said oh you know would you be interested in this role originally I would like you know it's going to be Clark Gable and Humphrey Bogart because he'd always been interested in this in this role in this film tried to make it in the 50s with Clark Gable and Humphrey Bogart but obviously Bogart died in 57 and then he tried to make it in the with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas but they weren't available and then in the 70s, he approached Robert Redford and Paul Newman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they said Newman advised Houston that he would be better to cast some, some British actors. So, And he actually suggested Michael Caine. So in this interview, Michael's Caine saying, I was in the hotel and I got this phone call and it says, oh, Michael. And he says, oh, he thought someone was playing a joke because Michael Caine's favourite director was John Houston <laughs> and his favourite actor was Humphrey Bogart. And he said, oh, this is a, a job I wanted for Bogart. And he said he didn't even need to see the script. And he said, ah, well, can we meet? And he said, yeah, where are you? And he goes, oh, I'm in the, the whatever bar it was. And it was in the bar next door to what he was in, so they, or the <laughs> hotel he was in. So they went and, and he just said, oh, you know, I don't need to see the script because I just want to do this part. But it's great. Back to the movie. It's just like, it's like epic. You know, it's, uh, it's a journey. It's an adventure. It's action, drama. And, and they're quite comedic, the actual Connery and Kane and Christopher Plummer's in it as well obviously playing Kipling because yeah. it's like he like he gets the story yeah he does meet the story as a contract and says oh this is what we're going to do um, and then obviously at the end he, uh, it's only uh, Michael Kane that survives and he comes back a bit mad and meets up with Kipling again but it's great it's well, great uh, so and there's some great quotes in the film I mean there's one where they're going to retire from the army and they go in to see and he goes, it's detriments like you that have spoiled the army. Mike goes, De it's detriments like us that made this bloody empire. <laughs> <laughs> and the bloody Raj. <laughs> so there's the, you know, and then they go, hats on. And after they go and they, they take off and say they're going to go on this adventure. So they meet up with Kipling, try to finance it, get themselves a few guns. I mean, everything about this movie is great. And Giles is exactly right. It's, it's one of those films you have to see. I think... I don't think it could have been publicised that well or when it came out because, I, you know, I don't remember it as being a big thing. But And you see, I really like Michael Caine. We did The the Last Valley a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, we? yeah, yeah. I mean, although his later work, I'm not so, uh, <laughs> not so sure. I'm Harry Brown, great ha film. Harry Brown, yeah. Harry Brown was good. I, I think one of Harry his Brown. exceptions where I think it was an outstanding film Yeah. amongst... Uh, See of nuts. So well, well the, the thing about the thing about Michael Caine is like you know when you said he, he met John Huston, I was like I don't need to see a script. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I have a feeling that Michael Caine's career is built on that one sentence. It's like I don't need to see a script. Are you gonna pay me? I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I, but but I think he wanted to do this. He, he yeah, 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 yeah. And I, he I said he was friends with Chris Plummer as well. So well, yeah, I, and I think I feel like Michael Caine. He he, he just he he has this idea of. Like, you know, he's a jobbing actor. It's a job. Someone's going to pay me. I'm going to do it. And yeah. whatever the rubbish I'll do, I'll show up, I'll say the lines, I'll go away and I'll count my money. Yeah, and I think I, that's it, that wet the East End in him coming out, isn't it? It's coming yeah. from poor background. It's saying that you don't turn down work. If you're going to be an actor, you work. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think it's 
I think Wakakem would be like that whatever he did. If he was a green yeah. grocer's, he would be like, you don't turn down work. You don't turn down work. Somebody well, somebody wants you, you say yes. Yeah. Well, it was in, in this interview, he was saying the highest compliment he ever got paid in his life was with from Lawrence Oliver. Um, Lawrence you know, Olivier. L- Olivier, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Olivier, I forget. Yeah. Larry so, Oliver. Larry Oliver. Larry. Call <laughs> me Larry. That one in um, And he said that um, at the end of Sleuth, because they was in the film together, yeah. Sleuth, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Said, he said he'd been taking... Um, at the end of the movie he said Michael I uh, I thought I had an assistant but I now know I have a partner and he said that was like that's, just, that's, yeah. just oh, that. he said that was just that's a huge compliment, that's a huge compliment. yeah you, so, you would live off that for the rest yeah, of your life you if somebody said that yeah. so yeah I mean he's great Michael Caine actually and he, he does a good interview as well yeah yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah he's, he's quite a raconteur a raconteur yeah, a raconteur, yeah. Uh, and and also because i found out about this film i, I think it was it, you know this is probably like 15 20 years ago where bbc2 would have like a series of films or something like that yes and so they they started doing a series of films about about sean connery films that sean connery was in and obviously i didn't know sean connery as anything other than james bond and so this was so it's like for me, there's films where Sean Connery is James Bond and, and everything else where he's not James Bond. Yeah. And there's, so that's what I found about, like, you know, things like, is it oh, is, is it The Hill or Hamburger Hill or something like it that? It was Hamburger The Hill, Hill. yeah. There was n- oh, yeah, no, not Hamburger. The one called The Hill. Vietnam, but there's one the called Hill. The Hill. That's yeah. brilliant film. We, yeah, with Sean Connery mm. in it as well. I found yeah. out about that. I found out about The Man Who Would Be King. So I saw snippets of it, but never actually saw the film. And it's and I, I feel like also with Michael Caine. Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, or the, the the have you seen the film called Darby O'Gill and the Little uh, People? That's the one I was trying Dar- to think yeah. of. Darby yeah, that's O'Gill. the one. That's the one. Not Dar- yeah, Darby yeah. O'Gill. And I, saw, I saw that film as well, which is like Sean Connery in a musical, and I'm like, what? Yeah, what the hey? <laughs> Why is James Bond singing? Don't forget Zardos. <laughs> Zardos. Yeah, now, see, Sean Connery in a That's nappy. an underrated film. Yes, it is. Actually. I like it's not Zardos. A bad film. I like Zardos. John Borman again. I yeah, quite John like Borman. John That's it. Excalibur. <laughs> yeah. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so but he has a body of work, doesn't he? You forget yeah. that part out from James Bond, Sean Connery has a body of work. That yeah. He's retired now, isn't he? So it's he's got his whole career is there. Yeah. In its entirety. And we can see it. And he has got a body of work that he can say, yeah, he did some good films in that lot. Yeah, he really, really did. He really did. But uh, I think uh, The Man Who Would Be King, um, it's one that I've, I've, I've been trying to track it down. I just can't find it anywhere. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think I've you'd enjoy it. I've actually got it on DVD at home. Have you? Yes. Okay, I need to get that off. I'll have to, yeah, but I'll it's have to dig it out. Clark Gable and Humphrey Bogart. It would have that, been I'm because, trying to think about yeah, how I, that would work. I don't know if that would work, being as it was was the British Empire at the time. Well, but I think the time when he was going to make it, I think it was that was the time when you could have made anything with Clark Gable and Humphrey yeah. Bogart. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Especially it's, because it would have been aimed at an American audience and... Oh, at that time, it was the Americans. They just they probably had the the, you know, the blinkers on. They just thought yeah, everything must be American. Why wouldn't they speak with an American accent? Yeah, why wouldn't they? <laughs> so it's like, and so you see some of the things that were made where they're supposed to be in another country and everything like that, and the yeah. treatments of them which we have issues with now. We see but, them and go, oh, okay. Yeah, but I can Im- I can totally imagine that would be that. F- well, from what I know of the film, I can imagine it would be with Clark Gable and Humphrey Bogart. But I was also going to say another thing about Michael Caine, and. In the next one we're going to talk, talk about, this shows up again. I feel like Michael Caine is when it, when he has a double hander, when it's not just when it's not just like a film headed by Michael Caine alone, but Michael Caine with someone and it's like a buddy thing, or it's like yeah. him and some other guy playing off each other. He seems to be awesome when he yes. has that. He he seems to be awesome yeah. when he has that, and but when it's just him on his own, it's it can be a bit more hit and miss. Yeah. On, on about 
Back, back to the interview about with Michael Caine. He was saying Alfie because apparently you know the film Alfie. Yes. yes. He said it bombed in France. What's it all about? France, yeah. yeah. France, it totally bombed in France. He said Did they, it really? they hated it. Yeah. And it said that he was talking to his French friend. He said, "Yeah, well, the French people couldn't believe that a British man could seduce twenty <laughs> women." <laughs> 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 so, yeah. like, I know this is supposed to be escapism, but some <laughs> things are too far. It's <laughs> 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 not possible. Mm. But yeah, no, you're right. He's um, he 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 is good. He's he's in, when he's with when he's buddied up with someone. Yeah. All right, cool. Then now we're just gonna have some music, which is a theme from the man who would be king by Morris Jar or Jarre. I never know how to pronounce that. Look at that, a good old military march there. Yeah, you gotta love that. You gotta love that. <laughs> good old Maurice. Yeah. <laughs> good old Maurice. Uh, now we go into the final section of the show. Uh, well, or the first part of the show. Um, and this is a bit where we talk about an exception to the rule. Where we talk about a film made after 1980 that we think this is still good enough to be mentioned at any time of cinema, any era this film would fit in. And uh, this, the title of this film actually could be could could be a theme for quite frankly for everything that we've done because I was looking at, uh, at the show the list of films we're talking about and I was saying, well they all have this sort of like crime element to them. Is that kind of like it's not really gangster? It's not really they're not all con men or anything like that. But I think that you could pretty much say that every single film here is based on dirty rotten scoundrels. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which, you are right. Yes, which is the film we are, uh, which uh, I have chosen today as our exception to the rule. This is the 1988 comedy starring Michael Caine, him again, hey. and Steve Steve Martin in a sort of double hander as two con men on the French Riviera. So you start off with Michael Caine, and he is this sort of like um. He's this sort of like debonair, really well-polished gentleman who lives on the French Riviera. But he's he's a con man, and, but he prays. He specializes on praying on older, sort of like older privileged women who show up well, from whatever background they come from. Because his his thinking is, well, they don't, they don't deserve the money. I'm going to relieve them of the money and I'm going to spend it on art and culture and all that kind of stuff. So at least the money will be being good, put some good use. And Steve Martin shows up as this brash young American on his patch who isn't, he's not, because like what you would say, like the Michael Caine character is a bit more into the long con. So he's all about, we're going to do this and we're going to get thousands and thousands of pounds. Steve Martin is just a bit more like, look, I'm just going to do whatever it is so I can get a bit of money so I can get a bed for the night or I can eat my next meal. And he will pick pockets, he will do all that kind of stuff. And um, Michael Caine's character, he's, he's kind of like, okay, no, this guy, is, he's on my turf. He's, he's getting in my way. I need to get him off my turf. And it's, uh, but in the end, he, they end up pairing up and he has him as a, pretty much as his apprentice, trying to teach him how to do a long con and all that kind of stuff. And it's quite funny because it goes through bits where they're like, you know, master and apprentice, then they're rivals. And then they're both fighting for like the, for, they have like this bet saying, whoever manages to get $50,000 from this woman Whoever, whoever does that wins the bet. And then whoever wins the bet stays in the French River and the other one has to leave. And it just goes through all these things. And I think it's just a nice, it's one of these 
you, you know how it is when you see a comedy and you see some comedies that feel like they're trying a bit too hard yeah and you just feel it isn't working i'm not buying it this isn't the no 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 but this is one of those comedies where it just seems to flow effortlessly where you feel like it's just like this romp from start to finish and one thing goes into another and you can see how when things escalate you're like oh my word that mm-hmm. that isn't contrived that actually makes sense how that goes to get all the way up to the ending of the film which i will not i will not okay. reveal but it has it has quite a there's quite a twist at the end of what happens and i think it's, it's just actually just a lovingly made film directed by frank oz who um he who does uh, does the voice of Yoda? I say, isn't he Yoda? Yeah, he is Yoda. He is Yoda, and he directed. And Fuzzy Bear, wasn't he? Was that Fuzzy Bear? Was he, he was he a Muppet? I don't you know. know. I think he was. I think it's he was involved Frank. in the Muppets. He was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no. Frank Oz did a lot of the voices yeah. of Muppet. I think he, he's the original voice of Miss Piggy. <gasps> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's the original voice. So it's like oh, so Frank Oz, and he he directed uh he directed this film, and it's just it's just like uh it's a light frothy romp. That I, I remember when I watched it, I was thinking, oh my word, this feels like, you know, like one of those screwball comedies that you would get in like the 40s or something like that, that, you know, you get like, you know, Cary Grant or you put someone like that in it and it would it would work. And found out today that it's actually a remake of a 1964 movie with David Niven in the Michael Caine role mm-hmm. and um, Marlon Brando in the Steve Martin role. And th- which makes sense now, because when you think about the way Michael Caine dresses up in the film, it's almost like a homage to David Niven. Yeah, does he have the tash as well? He has the tash. Yeah. <laughs> he has the pencil thin tash. He has a double-breasted sort of like blazer that he wears all the time. And he has that like, you know, extremely effortlessly, just sort of like, I'm just classy. Yes, <laughs> that way he holds himself. Air, that he, the, the way he holds himself. So no, I think I think it's a brilliant film. I think it's 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 I think it's worth tracking down, and I think it, it's it, it, because it even got turned into a musical. I know a couple of weeks ago you guys were talking about hairspray. Yes, and I'm so, sorry you missed that one, Tyson, because I know you love hairspray. I, I'm sorry I missed that one. <laughs> I'm sorry I missed that one. Hairspray is an awesome. Hairspray is just awesome. Full stop. And but this has had a similar thing where it was a film, then it got turned into a Broadway musical, won a whole bunch of awards. And it hasn't, there has not been any talk about bringing it back as a film of the musical or anything like that. But I'll just say, if you can, track it down. I, mean, I, I think, um, Sharon, did you say you'd seen it? I have seen Jay Rotten Scandals, yes. Yeah, with Michael Caine and Steve Martin. Yeah, I, and I remember I was saying to Johnny, I, in, the, in our sort of gap, um, I seem to remember them him doing like an Eliza Doolittle with him, you know, where he teaches him how to walk and talk. Yeah, he teaches him how to he teaches him how to eat properly and everything. Yeah, how to behave so that people believe that he is a man of class yeah, or education. Yeah. Do you think there was a lot of ad libbing yeah. in this movie? A little bit I've seen. Well, uh, apparently there were the both Steve Martin and Michael Caine did do quite a bit of improvisation, and and Frank Oz let them do the improvisation. And there's one particular scene where um, Steve Martin is locked up in jail. And he's he's trying to like you know he's trying to beg his way out and pretty much that's all improvised and fr- and Frank Oz just waited and waited and waited and waited until he thought okay he's given all he can give <laughs> then he sent the actor in to go say his line so he had a so Steve Martin was essentially just told keep ad libbing until this guy says his line and he just goes <laughs> off on one and it's and I think it's it's really and this is a Steve Martin at the point where he was at the height yes he was at the height of his powers and it just. I, I just think 80 Steve Martin was awesome. 90 yeah. Steve Martin kind of like, I, th- I think he might have knackered himself out a little bit during the 80s. But it's, uh, so it, yeah, there, there's quite a bit of um, ad-libbing, but it just totally, totally works. And also a special word of mention must go to Glenn Headley. 
I believe it's how you pronounce her name. She, this was like one of her first roles, and she's she's a character actress. She would, you you might have seen her in quite a few things, but not not really know her name. She's not really a star, mm-hmm. but she comes in there as she's like a woman that they're fighting over, and she's every bit a match for the <laughs> two of them. She is just <laughs> awesome, just awesome in the film. Uh, the funny thing about it is that originally, and th- it's, it's funny the things you find out, especially now with Wikipedia. Originally, this was going to be a film with Mick Jagger and David Bowie. Okay. So Mick Jagger was going to play the Michael Caine role and David Bowie was going to play the Steve Martin role. Whoa. Because somebody in Hollywood saw the Dancing in the Street video and thought, wow, we got to get these guys in a movie together. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 80s. Yeah, okay. People were thinking weird things. All I can say is I'm really thankful that didn't happen. Yeah. I am really thankful that that, that somebody... That, that that fell through, even though David Bowie was apparently quite annoyed. In the end, he was like, man, that could have been a halfway decent movie. But And when the final thing came out and they saw the reaction to it, he was the, he was a bit sad that he wasn't in it. Aww. And also, they passed up, um, uh, It might have. It, they might have had Eddie Murphy in it as the Steve Martin role. Okay. Yeah, but Eddie Murphy passed on it, which, quite frankly, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm quite glad about. Yeah, I, I, think, yeah, I think he would have over... over well, I, I probably... Yeah, I, I think I think it would have it would have become an Eddie Murphy thing. Yeah, it's like can I imagine Michael Caine against Eddie Murphy. It would just it, I think there's something in that in that it mix. It would have been Shrek and Donkey, but twenty yeah. years earlier, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would have been. <laughs> it, it would, yeah, but there's something about that. that I just I just feel like it doesn't quite work. But I, I, mm. as for my for my one, I am really really happy with the way the film ended up. That it ended up with um, Michael Caine and uh, what's the guy's name? Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. Yeah. yeah. I think it, I'm happy with the way it ended up with both of them because it turns. I just think it's like they work together, like the brash American, uh, the brash American, the cultured Englishman. I just think they yeah. they just work together. That's the key with these films, isn't it? It's getting that right combination. You, you need because, to get the chemistry right. Yeah, yeah, because you can have people who are polar opposites, and it really works. And other times, it just it's a miss. Mismatch, yeah. and you you see it, but if what that chemistry is, it's so elusive, isn't it? When it works, it just zings on the screen, but when it doesn't, you think, what was it that was missing? Yeah, mm-hmm. I suppose it's like with romances on screen, how some couples yeah, you think they should work it because they're strange. both attractive, yeah. they both can act, yet somehow it just fails to sort of spark. Just and the other people, when you find out later that they just couldn't stand each other, yeah, each other yeah. and yet on screen they have this sort of sparkling yeah. relationship yeah. that just. Tr- you know, sort of lights up the screen, so it's it's a, it's an elusive thing, isn't it? That quality of what makes a partnership, a screen partnership, work. Yeah. If it's like with Michael Caine and Sean Connery, Connery, whether because they knew each other anyway, or yeah. whether because with Steve Martin and Michael Caine they're so different, it just yeah, yeah. it's a news. I think strange. in the interview when he was talking about the the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and he said that I just played it totally straight all the time. He said I couldn't, you know. No, you're not going to be able to compete with Steve Martin. Yeah, you're not going to be able to compete. And he said, so I was just straight to everything, you know, and Steve just, you know, was like a crazy guy. (laughs) But he would just keep keep a calm demeanour because he knew he couldn't. Thinking of Michael Caine and does some of his cameo roles, in Miss Congeniality, he takes Sandra Bullock, doesn't he? And she's like this stiff, upright... FBI agent and he yeah, has to true. turn him into a beauty mm-hmm. queen yeah. so he does that sort of transformation. he does the Henry know, Higgins thing all Henry over again. again with, with her yeah, yeah. in a way sort of teaching someone how to be a lady rather than teaching someone how to be a gentleman yeah so what if you know if you got it you got it uh, yeah uh, but I, <laughs> he's I think been, he's popped up quite recently quite a few times recently isn't he on Michael on, on, on this show yes 
Yeah, he has. He has. Mm. All of a sudden, I don't know. This seems, seems like it's something in the air. He's Perhaps been he's in over hundred films. Though, hasn't yeah, he's been in say. well over hundred films. I Ma- Michael Caine. He's like hay fever. He's just in the air. It's just there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's oh, also somebody else who got who turned down the role that Michael Caine ended up having was John Cleese, and he's he actually admitted in an interview that he regretted turning down the role. He was like, no, no that that would have been a good one to good actually. Was yeah. that during his Fish Called Wanda sort of phase when he was like big in America? 1988. Was it when he did Clockwise? Was it Clockwise? He did Clockwise and then he did Physical did, but a little bit apart. But they were ones that got him noticed as to a a cinema audience, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must must have been around about then. It must have been around about that time. But But Faulty Towers by Nose TV, but that was brilliant. Yeah. There was only six made, I think, weren't there? Twelve. Twelve. Not many at all. Two seasons of six episodes each. (laughs) All classics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, oh no, but one more thing, one last thing about Dirty Water Scandals, I have to say, there's this one scene in it where, um, when they're trying to, when they're trying to, they have the bet and they're trying to get the woman, um, in, and so Steve, Steve Martin goes to her and he pretends like he's like this, um, you know, U.S. veteran who's in a wheelchair because he has like some psychosomatic theme because some woman broke his heart years before, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I doesn't, I doesn't think that he's ever going to be able to walk until he finds a woman who he's going to love again, and the only person who can, who can um, cure him is a Dr. Schnuffhausen. Dr. Schnuffhausen, who uh, is in Vienna, but he needs like fifty thousand dollars to actually even get like an appointment with the guy, then. Michael Cade's character hears about this and he shows up and goes, I am Dr. Schnuffhausen. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I am Dr. Schnuffhausen. So they have this whole thing where they're standing in the room and they both know what they're playing, but they can't, neither of them can sort of like out the other one because then by doing that, they mess up their own own, um, con they're trying to pull. (laughs) So there's this scene where Michael Cade, he goes, ah, you are just lazy. You need to be able to stand up and walk. Then he takes a cane and he runs, runs up with a cane and smacks him oh. in the leg. He's <laughs> like, "Did you feel that?" As the is like, "No," <laughs> and he just runs up and he smacks him in the other leg. It's like, "Did you feel that?" Oh, I was, and it's just like, it's just hilarious having all these. The way the, I think it's it's a very very well constructed movie. I just think it's it's a great one. I'll, the one I would recommend anybody track it down, find it out. Actually, 1988 is turning into be not a bad year because I think we've had a couple of exceptions from 1988. Have we? Yeah. Mm. Hairspray, the original, was from 1988. Was it? Yeah. Okay. The John Waters film. Oh. Ah, there you go. See. So oh. there's a few hidden gems and a few exceptions in that year. Okay. Well, well mine, mine need to go find out. Uh, uh, go to 1988 and see what won at the Oscars that year. Maybe yes. was it? Maybe it was a good year. Maybe this. Maybe it was when the 80s started coming out of the Malays. When yeah, the, when they did <laughs> yeah <so>. maybe. <laughs> All right, but here we have we have the music that's played over the end credits of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, yeah, do track the film down, and also if you can find any or go on YouTube and just see some of the things from the musical because I think that that also does credit to the film and is actually really really great. But here's the music from the end credits.
Yes, the end theme music from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And I think the music might give you a little bit of a hint as to what kind of thing you're going for. Sean, you said it was a bit like an Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie theme, yeah. Yeah, with yeah. a bit of whimsy in there. It's a bit of yeah. a whimsical sort of tone, isn't it? It is very whimsical. Very, very whimsical. <laughs> On that note, I think we've <laughs> run out of time this week. And so all there's left to say is to say thank you for everybody who's been on the show for Giles who suggested the film, for Sharon for picking that, for Sean for talking about the man who would be king, for Doug for getting us on to westerns and cowboys and everything like that. Until next week, take it take it easy. Get well soon. We hope you get home. And remember that as always, they, they don't, don't make them like, them like they, they used, used to. to. Good night, guys. <laughs>